The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well in this Christmas season. Um, What I love is that there's always reason to celebrate, and of course, Christ is that reason. We're going to talk about that a little bit today in the message, but um, also because people are still getting married. Hunter, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, got married, but people are also still getting engaged, and so I just want to say congratulations to a couple that is being put on the spot right now. They'll probably never come back here, Um, but for uh, Dana Macy got engaged this week, so congratulations, you guys. I love that. Yeah, give them a hand. Something worth, uh, something worth celebrating. Um, the other part that's worth celebrating is I saw their engagement on Facebook, realized that we weren't even friends on Facebook, so I sent them a request. They accepted it, so now we're friends on Facebook, which gives me some street cred. But anyway, um, just joking. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1. If you're looking for a spot in Scripture, go ahead and turn there, the Gospel of John chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a smartphone with a Bible app. And as I say often, I encourage you to be note takers. There are some things that I might say, not because I'm so amazing and profound, but because hopefully what I say encourages you um, some things you can remember. So John chapter 1 is where we're going to land I have a friend who pastors in Kalispell, Montana, and um, I I texted him a few days ago that I'm jealous this season that he pastors there because if you've ever been to Kalispell, it's, you know, Flathead Lake and a beautiful area. They've got different cities around there that are like Hallmark Channel, like villages where they film things. The Whitefish is one of those incredible, incredible spot. I was texting him that I'm a little jealous that he's there. I mentioned in the text that I lived in Bozeman for about three years as a kid. Uh, I was about five, six, seven years old. And um, I love Montana. In fact, my dad was an outdoorsy person. He still is. And um, when we went, uh, when we lived in Montana, we would go outside a lot, do things outside. And one of the places that he took us was the Lewis and Clark Caverns. And I don't know if you've ever been to those or not, but um, a beautiful area. You take a tour up the trails, it's gorgeous waterfalls on your way in. You go into the caverns and at one point they, they let you know hey, we're gonna show you what utter darkness feels like if you've never experienced it. We're about to shut off the flashlights. They give you a warning, the tour guides, and then they shut off the flashlights. And I will never forget that moment because I remember like that is like as dark as dark can be. You can see nothing. I mean, you you can't, you know, see your hand in front of your face, absolutely pitch black darkness. And um, it's, it's actually a little bit intimidating, which I'm sure is why they give you, you know, that warning. And I don't know if you've ever experienced darkness like that. Maybe you've been to those caverns or maybe you've been in a place that was utterly, utterly dark, but there is something about the need for light. I think of little kids and the need to have the door open or the nightlight on just so they can see what's in the room or whatever. And to be honest, I still like my nightlight on, so confession there. But um, I want to talk about light today. Because when you look at the whole of scripture, it has a lot to say about light. And I'm gonna gonna give you a really quick overview of the conversation about light from scripture. There's a lot more to be said, of course, but I only have so many minutes. Genesis chapter one opens with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness hovered over the deep. And then you get to verse three, and it literally says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And for anybody in science and theology looking at the creation of the cosmos or the whole universe, that that is for everybody a profound moment that light enters the picture. 
It's no less profound in scripture. It's amazing and creation continues in Genesis one. But by the time you get to verse 26, you have the creation of mankind. They come on the scene and we are created in spiritual light. In verse 28, it says God blessed them. And in verse 31 of Genesis chapter one, it said God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Things are humming along. You have the creation of man and this, this, this fellowship with God in a different way than we understand today. And, and, and again, they're enjoying what, what God has created. They're enjoying one another. They're enjoying their relationship with their heavenly father. But in another picture that gives us a little more detail about some of creation in Genesis chapter three, if you have subtitles in your Bible, it might even say the fall of man. And we know this is not a good moment in the history of the world. When you look at it, what you have is Adam and Eve enjoying this connection. Things are great. And then all of a sudden, they're deceived. They're tempted to do what, what God asked them to not do. God had said, enjoy all of this. It's all for you. It's blessed. Have a great time. Have a ball. Go enjoy it. The only thing I'm asking you to not do is this one place I don't want you to go. I don't want you to, to eat fruit from this tree. Don't do that. And it's the one thing they ended up doing. And when you look at scripture, it says that's when darkness came in in a different way. And what we're talking about there is the issue of sin and spiritual darkness. And that became a problem that, that you know, many eons later is an issue even for you and me today. The problem of sin, the want to do right, right alongside the want to do wrong. And so sin is an issue. And spiritual darkness becomes a big problem. But here's the good news. The God that you and I serve, our Heavenly Father, refuses to give up. Going all the way back to the conversations not only about Adam and Eve and the, the first people, but into you know, Abraham and a promise given. And Isaac and Jacob and that promise carried. And Moses, who sets the people, again, overview here, sets the people free from slavery in Egypt and the establishment of the law. What you have over and over in the Old Testament are glimpses of God refusing to give up on the whole of mankind, which is really good news for you and me. As the story continues throughout the Old Testament, you have the prophets, and, and in the prophets, you have these little windows of, of glimpses of God's love for mankind in a promise that a Messiah would be coming, that a Messiah would end up on the scene. And there were different times that they thought this moment must be the Messiah coming. This moment must be the Messiah coming or even, hey, this is the Messiah only obviously to be wrong. Well, over and over, these glimpses of God's love for all of mankind show us God's care for you and I today. Now, the glimpses are amazing, but what happens is, in fact, let me go back for a second. In Isaiah, there's a few glimpses that you and I might understand. I've mentioned before, 800 years before Jesus comes on the scene, Isaiah says things like this. If you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Isaiah 53, 
Some of these verses you might know intimately. You might have heard where in 53, it's almost an entire chapter on a future prophetic verse about a Messiah that wouldn't come as a conquering king, but as a suffering servant. It says, starting in verse three, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain. Surely he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed or bruised for our iniquities. The, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's just an excerpt from an entire chapter that reminds us that there would be a Messiah, but not, like I said, as a conquering king, but a Messiah that would come as a suffering servant paying the price for the transgressions of all of mankind. So let me go back for a second and repeat to you there was a light that mankind was created in this light and fellowship with God. Sin comes in and, and, and darkens our understanding and becomes an issue and a battle that we've all had to face. And yet God gives us glimpses of a promise that a Messiah would come and that Messiah would be something that would provide real light. When you get to Malachi, chronologically probably the most current Old Testament book that we have from Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, you have Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth and all this stuff going on that we call the Christmas story. Between the end of Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament, there was 400 years that some theologians have dubbed 400 years of silence. It was this sense that, that where is God moving? What is happening? Why is it that he doesn't seem to care enough? God, if you're real, would you show up? God, would you redeem? God, where is this Messiah? And it got worse because if you understand the context of Israel at the beginning of the New Testament, they weren't even their own nation. They were under Roman occupation. The Roman Empire had spread and part of what they got to be rulers over was the nation of Israel. And so this was a major problem, and yet even still, we hold on to the promise that God had given, not just through Isaiah, but through many of the prophets. And so I love how what we see is in the midst of a tough time, imagine 400 years of silence, 400 years where God seems so distant. I mean, for you and I, we struggle when we go, man, it feels like God hasn't been near me for months. Gosh, I feel so dry spiritually. Imagine experiencing that every day of your entire lifetime. That's Israel going, where is this God that seems to care so much? Where is this redeemer that said a Messiah was coming? Where is he? Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, because you know many of us the answer that's where we're at today. In a world that can seem so exceptionally dark because in 2020, it's been a year. In 2020, there have been things that we wouldn't have anticipated. At the opening of 2020, me and a group of pastors were in Germany and England and traveling all over and then I got home and then went to Nashville and spent some time with a group of pastors there. We were, we were doing these different things. We had no idea what was coming. 
In February, things seemed kind of normal, but we were getting wind of something going on in, in, in China and what's happening and there's some sickness and what's the deal, only to find out March 1st, our last gathering at the Grove Church would be our annual business meeting. Who saw that coming? Like, that's a bummer of a last meeting before we had to shut down for months in person. 2020's been a year. And you have your own ways of processing it. And the truth is, not every one of us is in the same place, but we've all had to sort of see and feel and deal with similar situations of lockdowns and questions and what's the truth and how is this all going on? I love how a pastor recently had said, uh, hey, next time we have a pandemic and political uprising and race relations issues, as strong as they are, we'll do a better job. I feel that way, like, look, we're doing our best here. If this happens again, don't worry, we'll do a better job. It's just insanity. And some of us in these moments where it can feel so incredibly dark can easily go, where is the Messiah? Where is this God who loves? What is going to happen? Whether it's financial struggles or relational struggles or getting your kids to stay online and finish their homework and turn them in on time. Struggles. Or just keep your own sanity. 400 years of silence, and then unto us a child is born. And when you open up the Gospel of John, you see these words at verse 4 In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify for what? Concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. In the very beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. And God created mankind within the spiritual light and they had incredible fellowship that you and I can't even fathom this side of eternity. But when sin enters a picture, there was separation that created darkness and it was a problem that you and I still today face the issue of temptation and doing what we don't want to do and what God would ask us to not do. But... God gave glimpses of his love to, to the whole of mankind through Israel and the promise and, and the hope of a Messiah and then 400 years of silence. But then the child was born. And John says, this is the light that would come into the world. It's no longer a glimpse. It's actually the answer to the darkness every single day that you live. And that's the hope that we hold on to. We have a babe in a manger that became the sacrifice for sin and darkness was defeated and nothing can snuff, snuff that out. And it's Jesus that wants to live in every one of our hearts. See, Revelation chapter three, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I wanna come in and eat with them and them with me. And don't hear that so much as about a meal. You're like, what would we eat? As much as it's about that fellowship and connection with Christ. Open your heart to me. Surrender to me. Acknowledge where I'm at. And for you and I, it's this issue of darkness broken. 
And so in, in a message like this today, it, it comes to me when I think about it in three different ways. And in the first way, it's for some that when you hear what I'm talking about, we're talking about a, a God who loved every one of us enough that Christ went to the cross. Not only did he become God with us, Emmanuel, but he lived a perfect life only to die for you and me and the issue of sin in every single one of our hearts because sin separates us from a holy God. And next week, we're gonna talk about holy moments, by the way. I encourage you to be a part of that. I think you'll appreciate it because sometimes the word holiness gets lost in the world we live in. But for you and I, it's that ability to have a fresh start. It's that ability to find forgiveness for the things we've done wrong. And maybe you've been in church world before and, and you've heard this before and you've, you've given your life to Christ and I, I heard this, but today you're going, I don't know where I'm at in the conversation. I, I've done my thing, I've gone my way. Or maybe you've never heard it in a way where like today you're being offered salvation that God extends to you his grace in Christ, that that's where we find a new beginning. That's where we find a clean slate. And whether you're here in person or maybe you're watching online and you're, you're hearing these words and it's about you being able to surrender along with the eight people in our in-person gathering earlier that raised their hand and said yes to faith in Christ. Yes, I wanna pray and invite Jesus to be my savior. Maybe that's where you're at today. And at, at the risk of sounding like a pitch man, and I hate that, but I wanna tell you that God loves you enough not just to give you glimpses of his love at different moments in your lifetime, which I know he has for every one of us. Moments where we see God clearly, just moments where we realize there's a God who cares. But more than just a glimpse, an invitation to open your heart to the light of life. And if that's you today, and you wanna to commit to faith in Christ, and you wanna invite him to be the Lord, you want to invite him into your world because you've never done that before or maybe you've done it before and like I said, you're in that place where you've gone your way and you've done your thing and you walk in today going, I don't know where I'm at, I just kind of do my thing and you say, you know, I want a fresh start today. Maybe you prayed the prayer years ago and that's where you're at. If that's you and you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you want a fresh start, you want a clean slate, you want to know you can walk out of here going, I am forgiven. I have a new beginning in Christ. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say yes to that. But if you hear me, and again, I believe, I'm trying to say it as clear as I can, but I believe the Holy Spirit is working in every single heart. And there's a couple other things I'm going to get to in a moment, but the first one would be if you need to surrender your life to Christ and you want that new beginning, you want to invite him to be the Lord of your life, not just as a glimpse, but as a deposit into your world every day. If you want a new beginning on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Where are you at? Okay, awesome. One, two, three, four, five. You can put your hands down. I see those. I appreciate it. Anybody else? I want to say yes to faith in Christ. I want to say, well, I could use a fresh start. I want to invite Jesus in. Anyone else besides those five? Okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to pray. If you raise your hand, I want you to just repeat a prayer after me. And if you've prayed this prayer before, would you just pray with us? But let me just say this before we pray. It's not about all the perfect right words. We're going to pray a simple prayer, but it's about turning your heart to a God who cares about you. It's about the extension of a relationship that he wants to have in your life all the time. Like I said, not just glimpses here and there, but a relationship. And so if you would pray this prayer with me, let's just bow our heads. Just say, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done to pay the price that I could be forgiven. 
that I could have a clean slate, that I could have a fresh start. Forgive me of all of my sin. Be my savior from sin. Be my Lord that I walk with you each day. It's in your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I really do believe as simple as it is that you get a new beginning today. And can we just celebrate that for a second? We had five people just say, hey, I wanna pray a simple prayer. Come on. Now, let me say this, and I know in this gathering, not only is it in person, but there's people online. If you're in person today and you raised your hand, on your way in, you should have received a Connect card. Please, if you would take a moment, fill that out and just put on there that you made that commitment today. Let us know. And the reason I say that is because we have set up intentional steps to help you walk this journey as you begin it in Christ. So if you did that, if you're online, if you would take a moment and acknowledge by clicking the button at the bottom there and and just let us know by filling out that simple online connect card, if you would do that, that'd be awesome. And again, we can follow up with you and help you take those steps. The second thing I wanna mention is this. And this is one that I'm just gonna be honest. This is one that I'm like, I had to raise my hand for, even as I'm putting my notes together for this message. And it's simply this. For you and I that, that... we, we've, we've known Christ and we've invited him to be in our lives already, but, but maybe what we've done, and this is what I feel like I'm guilty of sometimes, is allowing all that's gone on in the sense of, of dread or, or darkness or concern and anxiety to sometimes get the best of me, that it sorrows my attitude, that it makes me not be able to sleep well at night. I have felt that recently. And so for, for us, it's not just inviting you know, Jesus to be the light of life in us, but it's recommitting to let that light live in us to push back the darkness that tries to overwhelm us. Does that make sense? And so for many of us, it's just realizing that well, it's, well, it's, or whether it's everybody's sort of circumstance together with COVID and lockdowns and trying to get to the truth and people that are angry on this side or people that are angry on this side or people that are angry all in between or whatever it would be, what happens in us is our spirit begins to shrivel. And we, we begin to basically reflect all that we get hit with. And no longer are we allowing the, the light of Christ to push back the darkness in us. And I wanna pray for many of us that are facing that today. Jesus, thank you that you're the light of life. And God, for many of us that, that we get news or we read a social media post or we see angry people on one side or another or whatever it would be, and all, all of a sudden, God, we're losing sleep. All of a sudden, the stress of all of it seems to weigh in on us and our spirit and our soul, they begin to shrivel. And no longer are we pushing back the darkness in our hearts, but we find ourselves kind of giving to it. And I pray today you would forgive us. Forgive me, God. Forgive each of us for allowing that to take place because what you've given us in Christ is light and it should push back darkness but help us to walk that out as we live in surrender to you. Jesus, help us. And whether we pray that prayer right now we need it, or we pray that prayer on Monday afternoon or Wednesday night or Friday morning or whatever moment we need it, Jesus, please help. I don't wanna live with this darkness because you've given us the light of life. And finally, and I know this seems like, boy, that's quite a long ending to a message, but, but honestly, I feel like it's important for us to take a couple steps today. Finally, it's this. I feel like in some ways, the, the, the first couple things I mentioned were kind of defensive in a sense, not allowing the darkness to get the best of us. 
but, but this one is a little more of an offensive. Go on the offensive. And it's this, that you and I would simply pray and invite the light to shine through us. That we would say, I'm just gonna pray together in a few moments that not only would we push back the darkness that overwhelms us in our hearts and our minds, but that we would get on the offensive and allow the light of Christ to shine through us because over and over and over, and I say this all the time, and part of it is our passion for the world that we live in, not just to live as a club, as, as a bunch of followers of Christ, but to make a difference that we shine the light of Jesus wherever we go. I was over at Hilton Pharmacy the other day, kind of just shopping through and kind of going, wow, this is a neat little place. They got some cool stuff here for different people and shopping. And I'm like enjoying it and letting, lady, hey lady, letting the lady know, man, this is such a great shop. I love what you've done here. Just trying to shine the light. To some other new businesses, Spoon and Straw over on Third Street, was over at Fred Meyer after that. Like just trying to shine the light wherever I go, the neighborhood that I live in and navigating relationship all over that people take walks or I'm on a walk and we just engage in conversation. But amazing how, God, I just want to shine your light. Offensive. Not just pushing the darkness away in our own hearts, but the offensive ability to shine the light into the world of other people that need it. And so I just wanna pray for that and we'll be done here. God, today, Lord, in the midst of a world that we confess feels dark, that not only do we not live giving in to all of what we feel, but realizing that that, that that deposit of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the gospel of Christ and a God who cares so much that you provided the answer isn't meant just for us to get to eternity someday. Isn't meant for us to just push back the darkness in our own hearts, but it becomes an offensive weapon, a weapon that shines light and hope and life into the world that we care about, people that we love, individuals that we've been praying for, and God, I pray for your spirit, God, to do a work inside of every single one of us that helps us shine in this season, in the midst of the story of Mary and Joseph, in the midst of shepherds who not only heard the message, but went out and shined it to the world that they were familiar with. God, help us shine your light wherever we go, whatever it is that we do. Let it shine through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say this. And then uh, Aaron's gonna come up. He just had to take a pause because I got one more thing. This is the last week um, that Rick and Shuri Rukti are, are with us. And I say that because they're dear to my family and we've known them forever. My wife's known their family longer than me even. I think all the way back to probably the 1970s. This is their last Sunday connected to the Grove Church. But you wanna know why? Not only did they reach retirement age and wanted to retire, they sold their house. They sold nearly all of their belongings and they're gonna hit the road in an RV. But here's the deal, because some of us go, I wanna do that, let's go. The filter for them to do that was actually, how can we make a difference in retirement? And so they're gonna go out and travel all over the US, but you know where they're going? They're gonna go to churches and camps and Christian places that need some help with renovation and update because stuff gets worn out and certain churches are really struggling. They're literally gonna travel the nation for the next stretch of time during their retirement to help those places free of charge. Decades and decades doing renovation work and remodel work. And their retirement, that's what they're gonna go do. You know why? Because they just wanna shine light. They wanna invest the years that they have to make a difference in the ways that they can. And I love that picture. And if you know them, let me encourage you just to send them just an encouraging text or email. Reach out to them on social media. They're on there. I think Cherie's on Facebook. You can reach out and just say, hey, way to go. Awesome. But I'm just excited that for me, I go, man, that's somebody. They get it. 
And I love that. So I just love, hey, you're gonna shine the light. This is their last Sunday. I wanna pray for them and then we'll be done. So God, thank you for Rick and Cherie. We adore them, we love them, and we pray that you would surround them not only with what we call traveling mercies, I guess, but, but the ability, Lord, to make a difference wherever they go, whatever camps that they end up at, whatever uh, different places that they go to help out doing some renovations and repairs and improving certain spaces where different people gather. And I also know that not only will, will it be the places they go to as an assignment, but it will also be on the way at rest stops, on the way at places they stay overnight, people that they meet and the way they shine their light. I love how it shines through them and we pray you would continue to, to do that work through them over these years with this new investment of the time they have in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.